Welcome to the Human Design Collective Podcast, where we explore this system as a unique map of our potential, from the mundane to the mystical. If you're looking to dive deeper into human design, we invite you to our Living Your Design Workshop. You can start the course at any time and participate in live meetings with John Cole and Amy Lee. The next foundation course, the Rave ABCs, explores the circuitry of the body graph and the structure behind the hexagrams of the I Ching. It is the beginning of truly seeing the mechanics of the Maya, the energetic dynamics that shape our experience. Our next Rave ABCs live online nine-week course begins January 13th, 2021. For more information, go to courses.humandesigncollective.com. Our spotlight episodes take a quick look into the core design concepts and questions from our listeners. If you are new to human design, these can offer insight into the foundation of the system. And if you're more experienced or have gotten lost in the details, these are reminders of what is simple and essential. If you have a specific question for us to discuss, you can submit it by going to humandesigncollective.com or see the show notes. In our last episode on definition, we started talking about the openness in the chart as something of a, a counterpoint to what's colored in, what's defined, fixed, reliable in our experience. Openness is the other side of that. Openness, you could think of as what's not colored in, the, the white centers, the open gates, the channels that aren't defined. While the openness tends to be where we are most receptive, and you could say what we're not, like what we tend to take on from others, from our environment, it also carries this deep potential for awareness and ultimately wisdom that comes from the experience of navigating these different aspects of our life, the open centers and what they each represent. We do that with our strategy and authority, which comes from our definition. It's something that we can align with or experiment with as a counterbalance to everything that's coming at us that's either pulling on us or influencing us or having an effect on us. And so it's very helpful to understand the openness and how it works in the chart and some of the themes that can come up along the way of, of working with these areas of our life or through the deconditioning process. So Amy, when you look at openness in the chart, where do you start? What comes up for you? I always think of the openness as showing us where we have flexibility and variability. So if you have certain centers open in your design, it doesn't mean that you don't have access to those themes or those energies. It just means that what you experience through those areas of the body graph is not consistent or inherent to you. It's not rooted in what you are. In fact, you have access to those things probably all the time. You have access to them through the transit field. You have access to them through all the other people you come in contact with. So the openness is showing us where we have access to all kinds of things and we have a whole range in how we might behave or experience life through those open areas. The wisdom potential that's there is there because we're able to see and experience and take things in in a wide range. And we don't have our own fixation in the way. We don't have our own limited fixed way of being that's consistent and reliable in those areas. So the beauty of that is that those open areas are places where we can see others, we can enjoy them, we can really 
experience how life is for them. We can be good guides and have wisdom to offer to other people because we can feel what's going on for them through those open areas. So the beauty of that is the wisdom. Anything from joy to entertainment we can get out of all the different experiences we can have through the openness. The challenge with it is that those are also the places where we're most receptive, where we're most easily influenced by the people around us and by society in general and by the transit field. So if those influences are coming in through the openness and we start to identify with it, or we start to think that that's what we are, or if we start to feel like we ought to try to make those things consistent and reliable in us, that's when we can start to feel like there's something wrong with us. So if you have an open Ajna, for example, which is the mental processing center, then the way you think and what you think and how you process things mentally is inconsistent. There might be some days when you have a lot of mental awareness and you see a lot and you know what you think. And there may be other times when you have no idea what you think or you don't have an opinion or you don't know how to process something through your mind or you don't know what, what your stance is on something. If you can accept that and you recognize, oh, that doesn't have to be a problem, it just varies, then it's something you can just enjoy and you can watch the different thoughts and the different ideas and the different ways of looking at things. You can just watch that moving in and out of your experience. You don't have to try to identify with it or hold on to it or demonstrate to anybody else that you know what you think. Yeah, I, I really like that. It's another example of something that's so simple in the, in the body graph, on the surface, like is that center colored in or not? And then looking at it in terms of how you're describing it in terms of consistency, like right there, you can see that that could be a source of difficulty or a complication or, or some sort of distortion again, if you have an open Ajna and then you expect that you should always think the same thing or conceptualize the same way or expect that there's going to be some degree of consistency in terms of your way of understanding the world, coming to certainty, which is one of the, the not-self themes of the open Ajna, pretending to be certain. And you can see the same thing, like, for example, in the sacral center, where, you know, you get into these situations where you have a non-sacral being, undefined sacral center in a manifestor or projector or reflector, and then they're taking in all of this generator conditioning from 70% of the population, and they're running around trying to hold down the same type of jobs or do the same type of work or, or have the consistent work output what happens? Well, eventually, most people will realize that they can't sustain that. There's this expectation for a consistent energetic output that is simply not how they're built. And that can lead to all sorts of health issues, or you can feel like there's just something wrong with you. Like, why can't I do that? You know, I should be able to do it. Everyone else is, is able to do that. That was a big part of my deconditioning process was running around trying to keep up with the generators 24 seven and not knowing when enough was enough, not knowing when to stop. Again, very simple concept or idea that can be very powerful at the same time. Yeah, I think this piece where we can all get caught at times in thinking that there's something wrong with us. The funny thing is I can see it happen on both ends. So we can often end up feeling like 
our definition, the places where we're fixed are a problem. Like, why can't I be more flexible in these certain areas? Why am I so fixed in this particular way? We can start to think, well, I should try to be more flexible. And then when we look at the openness, we can start to ask, well, why am I so inconsistent in these areas? I should try to be more reliable and more consistent. When we do that to ourselves, and I think most of us do that on both sides, we end up in a place where we think there's something wrong with our definition and we think there's something wrong with our openness and we're trying to get them both to behave in the opposite ways. So part of what human design can do as a system and understanding our nature can do for us is to kind of clean all that up and just get to see, look, these are the places where you're fixed. These things aren't going to change. They're not going to be easy for other people to influence. That's just, it's just the way it is for you. So trust that, follow that, go, go with that. Mm-hmm. And then when we look at all this openness, you can say, look, these are the places where you can explore all different kinds of things. And it doesn't have to be a problem that you're inconsistent here. This is not your trip this lifetime to demonstrate that you're a sacral being who can work all the time. That's not what you're here for this time around. So when we clean all that up, it can just make things so much simpler. And the other thing I think it does is it makes us much more coherent to the people around us. Because when we have that kind of confusion or dissonance inside of us internally, then our energy, our frequency, what we are is kind of muddled and twisted. It's distorted. Right. And people can feel that. It feels like there's something off here. So when we clean all that up, we see here's what's fixed, here's what's open. Then we know where to go to make our decisions. We know we can go to the definition to make our decisions. And we know what the potential wisdom and the potential vulnerability of the openness is for us. Yeah, it brings to mind this metaphor that I hear in human design sometimes of the definition represents the student, the student of life, the open centers are the topics or the subjects of the classroom that the student is here to learn about, to study through their experimentation, through strategy and authority, going out into the world, having interactions with others. And like we were talking about in the last episode on definition, if we are anchored in our definition and an acceptance of what we are, and we're working with our strategy and authority, we can go into these areas of life. We can go explore our themes around willpower or self-worth or the material world of the open ego. Through that experience, we gain awareness. And then that's where these areas of life that may have previously been problematic become a deep source of wisdom for us where we have experience in that area. We have awareness in that area and like you had kind of pointed to earlier, there may even be the potential to work with and guide others in that way. So you have this like classic example of like projectors and generators. It's because of the open sacral center. If a projector has done their own work and they've cleaned all that up in terms of their own perception and awareness, that may allow them to see and understand how others are using their energy and whether it's efficient or not, or if there's a better way to do something or not. And so it's a really interesting dynamic that can happen between the definition and the openness through the deconditioning process if we're in alignment. So if you're starting to work with or experiment with the openness in your design, one of the things you can play with is just to notice the variability in those areas. 
So for example, if you have an open solar plexus, that means you don't have a consistent internal emotional chemistry that is a natural, reliable part of your experience. And if that area is open, you may find that on certain days or with certain people or in certain situations, there's a lot of feeling in your system. You may have a lot of emotions. You may feel a lot of things. And then other days in other situations or with other people, you may not feel much at all. You may not have a lot of emotional energy. It's just kind of absent. That's an area where if you're under pressure from other people saying, well, how do you feel? Where's your feeling? Where are your emotions about this? You may not know, or you may just be reflecting other people's emotion and what's going on for them. Wherever you're playing with the openness in your design, part of the experiment is that whatever you're taking in, you can always take it back to your strategy and authority. So if, for example, you're a sacral generator and you get in a situation where there's a lot of emotional energy, you're having a lot of feelings about something and you're trying to figure out, well, am I supposed to do something with this? What, what do I do with this emotion? How do I really feel? You can just take it back to your sacral authority and notice, do I have a response to this? Is there an engagement? Does my, is my energy moving towards something here? Is there something for me to respond to? If there isn't something for you to respond to, then it might just be that there's emotional energy passing through you and you can just watch it, let it move through. If there is something for you to respond to or something for you to do, you'll know through your gut response. The tricky piece in there is that the intensity of emotion can feel very loud. It can feel like I got to do something about this. So the practice then is to keep bringing it back to your gut response and find out, is there really something for you to engage with or not? Otherwise you can just watch. And that kind of a practice is something that you can experiment with and apply to your daily life in all kinds of situations, all kinds of interactions. Yeah. I like that. There's another thing that comes up for me, which is more of a, a technical note, but if you're looking at your body graph, and you see white centers, but you have activated gates in those centers, it's an interesting situation that's referred to as having a dormant potential. You can kind of think of these activations in the open centers where there's a part of you, you could say it's still your definition in a sense in that it's a characteristic or an imprinting that you carry, but it's in an open center. It's in an inconsistent area or place for us. And it's through our interactions with others in the world that we get to integrate these parts of ourselves. But to your point you're just making, it seems critical to do that with strategy and authority as a point of reference to know like, okay, let's take gate 49 in the open solar plexus. It's like the gate of principle or revolution. It's like, well, you will get clear on your principles by following your strategy authority in emotional situations that will help define in a way or you to at least gain more awareness about what your principles actually are. But don't expect that to be something that's always going to be there. It's going back to that consistency theme. Is it, it's going to require that you go out into the world and you have certain experiences and we have strategy and authority as a point of reference for that. 
Yeah, this is where I think it can be such a gift when we understand our own nature and when we see it in other people, because we can really come to a place of much greater ease and acceptance with what comes naturally to each of us. And when we do that, it kind of lets everyone off the hook. It just can open things up and create a lot more relaxation and relief for everyone. And just being able to say, see, oh, this is how I operate. Oh, and this is how I get really affected by the people around me or what's happening around me. And it's very different for somebody else. It's also, I mean, I can say as a mental projector, I've had many times of seeing or experiencing energies in other people and feeling so envious, <laughs> feeling like, oh my gosh, they have this consistency in them in terms of their energy or their passion or their will or their productivity. And before I really understood my own design, I often felt like I was inadequate in some way, or I was deficient. But the gift of all of this exploration really showed me uh, how to appreciate what I do have that is consistent. And then just get to admire and enjoy wow, look at that person. They've got, they've just got this incredible font of energy or they've just got all this passion or they've got these incredible instincts. And I can just admire that and not feel like it means anything about me. Yeah. So we had an interesting question come in from one of the podcast listeners, uh, Julie. Thank you for sending in your question. It's related to the open centers. And so I'm going to read it here. And we'd like to encourage anyone else who's listening who has questions on certain topics or they'd like to know more about, please go to our website and you can send in questions and we'll do our best to cover them in upcoming podcasts. Julie says, I have seven open centers and only one defined channel. Do you have guidance for the susceptibility to conditioning with all this openness and how to get out of aura and clear as to who I really am? For example, how many hours or distance to not be in the conditioned world? Then am I being conditioned by neutrinos more so than other people who have more definition? Oh, it's a great set of questions. There's so much to talk about there. So yeah, if you have a really open design, John and I both have very open designs like you do. So this question of what's the guidance for this re receptivity and sensitivity that we have, I would say in one way, it shows that when you have a really open design, it shows that in relationship, there's a lot of exchange and interdependence going on. There's a lot of energetic exchange happening. I think one of the things the mind can do is to think, oh, well, I should be able to overcome that. Like I should be able to kind of be independent and just be myself and be able to deal with different people and different influences. If we recognize that it's natural for us to be really interdependent and to be very affected by the exchanges we have with other people, then we can see I'm not here to be interacting with everyone all the time. That's too much for my system to process. It's actually becomes a distraction and an interference. So how do we know when we're done with something or when we should or shouldn't interact with something. Again, this is an example of we just take it back to our strategy and authority. Maybe John, you can speak to this a little bit in terms of what it's like to have, John has one channel definition. He's an ego authority projector. So how does that authority inform 
your experience of conditioning and how much time to spend in different conditioning fields? The first thing for me is the realization, as you're saying, that conditioning or openness is not a problem in itself. And again, this kind of goes back to this reframing of things that human design can help us with, not to look at the openness as necessarily a problem, but I tend to look at it as something that needs awareness. It's important to be able to see what's actually going on in these parts of ourselves. You know, I have seven centers open, one channel defined, the 2551. And at some point along the way, I realized that I was carrying around so much energy from other people that I wasn't frankly aware of. With the receptive projector aura, I was just taking on and taking on. And if you start interpreting what you're feeling in all these areas or what's coming up for you, usually through the mind and and through some sort of mental process, and you start identifying with those things, life becomes very complicated. It gets confusing, complicated, and not to mention, I'm, I'm feel like I'm carrying around a lot of uh, excess baggage versus when I can come back to myself, my own frequency. And there are other elements of design that play into this, like the you know profile. And for me, there's a lot of selectivity, as you were saying earlier. If I can kind of realign with that and begin to navigate these situations where I'm with others or I'm taking on that energy and there is a lot of influence or conditioning coming in. And if I can stay centered in myself because, you know, the 2551 is part of the centering circuit and it's based on my will and my sense of who I am, which I very much resonate with and relate to, then I can find out like what interactions are correct for me or what I have the will for where before I may have just, you know, blown around whichever way the wind is going and just like, I'm going to go do this now, I'm going doing that. And and I couldn't say no, or I was jumping on every request that came in and it was kind of taking me out, but coming back to my, my own frequency. And sometimes that means like getting out of aura, like, like Julie's asking or stepping outside, taking a walk, getting back into nature or using other tools, you know, whatever, whatever works for the person to kind of get back to themselves. Then I have greater awareness of what is actually healthy and correct for me and what I do have the will for. What do I want? Is this in line with who I am? And it becomes a very helpful navigation system to move through that conditioning and to deal with all of that openness there's this potential for that openness and the experience that one has with the conditioning field to turn into more of a gift or something that we can draw on from a place of awareness, experience, and wisdom. We can each kind of discover if there's a pattern in terms of if you're asking, well, how many hours do I spend in aura with other people or not? For me, it really depends on the person. There are some people that I can spend days with There are some people that it only feels healthy for me to be concentrated in their energy field for an hour or less. I don't think we can make a kind of hard and fast rule about it. That's part of the discovery process of embodiment, of kind of listening to your own body and and sensing what's correct for you and your own energy. I think one of the most helpful tools in terms of design, no matter what type you are, is to look at the signature and the not self theme for your type. So for a projector, for example, the signature is success. And success is really about feeling like you can just be yourself 
and what you naturally are is recognized and welcomed. There's a certain kind of relaxation and sense of it's good to be me that comes with the feeling of success as a projector. The not self theme for projector is bitterness. And that can be this sense of like having a bad taste in your mouth or feeling like you start to feel cranky. For me, it's like I start to feel irritable and sharp. My interaction starts to get kind of biting in how I'm interacting with the people around me. When I can see or experience that that bitterness is starting to rise, that's a real indicator for me that I've had enough of this situation or I need to remove myself from this exchange. It's not, it's not healthy for me anymore. So, and with generators, something so simple, I think it's so valuable. It's the most basic thing in design, but I think it's so valuable for generators. If you just move through life looking at, am I feeling satisfied or am I feeling frustrated? You'll start to notice what your frequency of frustration feels like when it's rising in you. For a projector, you'll start to notice what your flavor of bitterness starts to feel like when it's rising inside of you. Those things are signposts saying, no, you probably need a break. Probably need to get out of the conditioning field. This probably isn't tasting so good to you anymore, or you're reaching your limit of what you can tolerate and digest. And I think one of the funny things about that is that we might think that the more we decondition or the more we align with ourselves, that it's somehow gonna make us more powerful or more tolerant or more capable to deal with all kinds of situations. But I think what actually happens is we get less tolerant, we get more particular, and we start to see that as you decondition, those themes of bitterness, things tasting bad, things feeling frustrating, they actually happen much quicker, the cleaner you are. So the more aligned you are with your frequency, the less tolerant you get of certain things. And that becomes a a real signpost of, oh, I need some time alone. I need to just be in my own energy. Another thing you can feel as a projector is you can notice if you're starting to kind of like run around on fumes, like you're still going and there's all this energy and you're interacting with all this stuff and you might not feel bitter, but you might feel pretty jacked up and almost like you've lost yourself. Like you don't know where you are. You're just kind of running around with all this all different people, different situations, and and you you actually can't feel yourself. And sometimes that takes some time to play with, to, to recognize that. But I think this is where it points to our own practice with ourselves and noticing these different energies in ourselves, what these keynotes are pointing to. So if you start to feel that frequency of bitterness or bad taste come up in you, that's probably a sign you need to be alone or need to take a break, whatever you're doing, whatever you're being influenced by. It's an experiment. It's about seeing, like watching what comes up as you're saying, noticing the patterns or just watching, how do I feel in this situation? Every time I go to lunch with this person, this tends to come up versus I go and have lunch with this other person And then I have a totally different experience or feeling. And it's not necessarily about making something right or wrong, good or bad, but just noticing what feels healthy to you, what feels correct, what feels in alignment to you. We'll each find our own way, which is really what it's about. So you asked this other question. Of course, we're in this really interesting time now where most of us are spending more time out of auric contact with other people, out of physical contact with other people than we ever have before. Many of us are way more isolated physically than we've been. 
now for some of us, if you, if you're living in a household with a lot of, with, you know, with families, partners, friends, other people, that's probably going to intensify the conditioning influence of those particular relationships, because now you're getting to see what is it like to be around these influences all the time in the, in the same house and nobody's leaving the house. That can be an interesting thing to learn from. If you live alone, or this is a time when you're having larger spans of time where you're just in your own field, in your own aura, it can be a really interesting experiment to be looking at well, what is it you might be getting in touch with what it actually feels like to just be in your own frequency. And it could be a very interesting deconditioning process. I have found personally that as a projector, it took a while for me to be able to really sense and feel the transit field. So when you're talking about the neutrinos and the influence of the transits or what's happening on the through those cosmic influences, it took me a long time to be able to feel those because the interpersonal energies were so loud and so strong and so constant. I think it probably took me, you know, five to seven years to be even able to sense into the effects of the transits. And so, yes, in my experience, I would say if you are spending a lot more time alone, you would probably find that you have more sensitivity or more of a sense of awareness about the transit field and what's coming in. And you'd probably also notice that those effects also feel very different than if you're having a three hour conversation with an emotional generator, you know, as a very open projector. So this could be a very interesting time to be experimenting with that and just noticing, noticing what you feel, what you experience. Thank you for listening to the Human Design Collective podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please review us and share. For more information about us and to connect with others on this experimental journey, please visit us at humandesigncollective.com. You can also learn more by exploring our course and workshop offerings at courses.humandesigncollective.com. Music for the Human Design Collective podcast, courtesy of Role Model. For more information, see the show notes. And please stay tuned for more upcoming episodes on the same channel.